What's up, Disrupt Nation? My name is Anthony Delgado. And today we have a freaking dope guest, incredible human being. He is the man behind the scenes at Hardcore Closer. And he is also newly the COO at Build Your Empire. My main man, Ryan Stuman. Ryan, thank you for being on the show, dude. What's up, big dog, man? Oh, man, we, and, you know, dude, we're over there taking over the island of Puerto Rico together, build your empire, disrupt, throwing big events, trying to change lives over there and all that stuff, dude. And now we get to change a few lives through this podcast too, man. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. I mean, the one thing that I know from my own journey is there's that, those little pieces of information that you get when you're growing up, when you're on your journey, and it's proof that you can do it too. So like if you're a fat kid and then you see a fat kid that freaking got in shape and you're like, oh shit, I can do it too. Uh, if you're uh, broke or you're uh, from, grew up in a trailer park or grew up in the projects and then you see somebody that did it too, uh, then you can uh, point to that evidence. So I really love sharing these stories because we're able to point to the evidence of someone going from a seed and an idea and going to scaling like a big business like yourself. Um, so thank you again for sharing sharing your your knowledge on this uh, on this podcast. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time, man. I promise not to disappoint. <laughs> so so tell me a little bit about your journey. Uh, let's take it back to before the success, right? Because I think that is where a lot of people get stuck, right? They look at the they look at the um, results of success and they try to emulate that like oh i need a fancy car or i need x y and z they try to emulate the results of success instead of like the hard work and the getting started so um take us back to when you were first getting started in your entrepreneurial journey you know uh like most people my first entrepreneurial uh venture that was like official you know we all had little hustles as kids and stuff like that but my first like entrepreneurial venture that was like official where I had like LLC documents and all that stuff was this, this company called lifestyle connections. Right. And what I did was I went and found people with good credit because this was back in the subprime mortgage days. I went and found people with good credit and I would pair them up with renters who had bad credit. So I would get the good credit people a home and then I would put a renter in the home for them so that they could just make passive cash flow and not really have to do anything, right? Because you go get 100% financing as an investor. You could go find a renter. Everybody had jobs at the time. So renters that had bad credit would be more than happy to pay the rent. And uh, dude, everything went off great, man. We, we ended up owning like 30-something properties until one of, the, uh, one of the partners got on hydrocodone, you know? And uh, within about a six-month period of time, it took over his life. And we found that he was stealing money and starting drama and talking crazy to some of our investors and, and, you know, all the typical signs of addictive behavior. And like, literally I went from buying, like I was in the middle of buying a $400,000 house. Right. I thought like I was like, you know, like for myself, like I thought, dude, this is it. Like well, I've been running this business for a year. I'm going to be Bill Gates. Got Warren Buffett, I'm coming for your bitch ass. Right. Like I thought that like I was going to be the man, dude. I was like 24, 25 years old, you know, and dude, like overnight, this dude jerked all the money out of the bank accounts and disappeared from the freaking planet. Guess the worst part was when he disappeared, everybody looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do? Cause I'm like the only contactable member of the deal. And dude, I liquidated and sold and worked it to where like out of the 30 people that we had clients, only two of them ended up getting hurt. But dude, I bet I didn't sleep for six months, not because I was worried, but because I was busy trying to save these people's lives, man, and really 
put my own jeopardy in the, the meantime before I shut it down. So I, I've never like bankrupted a company, but that was a huge lesson. And really the bigger lesson later in life is those people didn't give two shits about me, man. I should have just let all their credit go back. <laughs> it, it, that's, that's, that's just business. They, they, they knew the risk when they took it. And as a young man, I cared a lot. Nowadays, I still wouldn't rip somebody off, but I, I, I have things in place that if I was to do something like that to protect me. But I quickly learned those people, like they didn't even give me a pat on the back. It was like, you give my money back. You know, you're lucky we didn't kill you or whatever, right? So, I mean, it wasn't that way. But I mean, that was the way that they felt. So that was a big lesson for me is like, Oh, in, in business, like even if you go above and beyond, like, you know, you're not going to win some stuff over. And even if you're doing things right, if there's another wild card, in this case, my business partner, for some people, it might be a referral partner or a source that they get business from, you know, but, but, uh, but that was like my first crash lesson. You know what I mean? Like, like from, from balling to broke, like almost overnight within about a 30 day period of time. Mm. Yeah, or, or a dropshipper or a supplier, right? It reminds me of a, of a story of an entrepreneur that he was dropshipping and supplier in China is like fulfilling, fulfilling, fulfilling. And then all of a sudden putting fake tracking numbers and mm. doing this for a, a couple of months. And all of a sudden you got a million dollars worth of merchandise or a couple of million dollars worth of merchandise that's supposed to be in the streets and it's not. Um, you know, and, and that 2008 crash, I mean, that, that was a big bubble that, that hit the housing market too so you, you just you, you never know and that's why i think not having all your eggs in one basket right is uh is crucial yeah it, it was a big lesson though but you know i pulled out of it and so it kind of gave me a little confidence it's like man i just pulled <laughs> off like several million dollars worth of feet for a dude with no education like it just kind of made me feel a little cocky you know what i mean and 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 you know i've uh i've crashed a few times since then because that's kind of what you do when you're you're building business i don't have an mba I don't have like a, a formal education. I've been to a bunch of seminars, read a bunch of books, hired a bunch of mentors, but it takes time to learn all that stuff. And still the best teacher's experience, right? And, uh, and so I've crashed a few more times, you know, but each time I learned a lesson and each time that I've come back, again, that confidence level is just like, oh shoot, I can get it back. And now I feel like, A, I couldn't lose it, but B, if I, if I did, I could go get it all back again. You know what I mean? I've done it several times at this point. I think that you're not really an entrepreneur until you're on your, your fourth venture, right? The other three have to have failed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Jeff Bezos or any big time dude, their first few businesses failed too. You know, Elon Musk that, you know, several of their businesses failed before they finally struck one. The difference is most people let one business fail and then that's it. They talk about, well, you know, I tried one time, man, did it fail? It was horrible. They don't keep going. Me, when Lifestyle Connections crashed, I immediately went, got another LLC for new home distributions with no partners. And that was how I bailed myself out by continuing to do deals. I didn't just go, oh, well, this is over. I guess I'll just like plant my feet in the mud and my head in the sand. You know, I just went start another LLC, went back to work doing the same thing and funded all that stuff. And then, you know, cleared myself. And then, you know, about a year later, I looked up and the cool news is I got to keep all the money because I don't have a partner no more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, and it's resilience, right? It's being able to like get eat shit, get smacked, right? Uh, Jeff Bezos and, and Amazon, they're always releasing fucking products and some of them hit and a lot of them don't and they don't give a fuck. And the same thing with Google. Google's always launching all this new Google Plus trying to do the social network. They're always launching shit and, um, and a lot of it works and a lot of it doesn't and they don't let that stop them. They're always testing, always trying new stuff. Um, and it's interesting. 
I, I'm launching a program with uh, one of the executive producers who's worked with like 50 Cent and six, nine, a lot of people in the music industry. And he said, one of the things he learned from 50 Cent, the artist, was that he screams his wins. Like when he has a fucking win, he just screams it from the top of the mountain. You'll fucking hear about it. And when he has a loss, he just whispers it and moves on. Right. And it's being able to have all those losses, like just try, just shoot. He shoots more shots than anyone else. That was another thing he said. So 50 Cent is just shooting shots. He's just shooting. He's just shooting. A fucking half of them don't go in. But those few that go in, they're fucking, they hit, they hit big. And he fucking screams them from the fucking mountaintop. So, and I, and I think a lot of entrepreneurship now um, with lifestyle entrepreneurs, with, with social media, you're doing all this stuff in the public and then you're afraid to fail. So since you're afraid to fail, you're letting public perception and opinion and emotion dictate your business decisions rather than just saying, hey, that didn't work. Okay, let's move on. Let's try something else. Let's take another shot, right? Yeah, you know, we live in a time where uh, guys like us are celebrities, you know, we're like, Rock and roll music's dead. So, like, we're like the new rock stars, you know? Mm-hmm. Rock and roll music is dead. Name, name a band that's come out in the last two years. You're like, those guys are awesome. I'm going to their concerts. It doesn't happen anymore, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, we entrepreneurs and influencers and, and people that can, you know, be inspirational are, like, that new go-to thing, you know? It's like, we, like, you listen to rap music. I like rap, hip-hop, but, man, it's all, like, negative stuff. It's not like you don't hear no, like, positive stuff. You listen to country most of the time it's depressing stuff. You know what I mean? It's like your girl left, your horse left, that dude ain't got nothing left. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you turn on like Ed Milet or, or Andy Frisella or Frank Kern or somebody like that, or ET or even Gary Vee or Ty Lopez or whoever, you know, and, and get fired up the way that music used to do to us, right? Used to go to the gym and I would listen to like music, you know, like NWA or, or, or maybe Papa Roach or something like that, depending on what kind of mood that I'm in. But like now, dude, I'm listening to ET and stuff like that before I go in the gym. <laughs> that, that gets me fired up in that same way, but on a positive side, you know? No, absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, especially when you're young, right? You have to be careful of who your influences are because if you're listening to, uh, hip hop and it's just like, you know, uh, sell drugs and fuck bitches and then you get in a relationship and you're like treating her like the girl in the music video, right? You're wondering why your relationship doesn't work or you go into, into business and you don't trust your business partners. And it's because what are you listening to? What, what are the ideas that are going in your brain? Um, and, and I think we're in a unique stage where we can kind of reprogram our brains and you can choose what to subscribe to, what to unsubscribe to, who to follow, who to unfollow. I'm quick to unfollow people. Like if I don't like the messages that it's just like, boop, all right, let's go. Let's move on. You know? Yeah. If you um, hit me with like politics or racism posts and stuff like that, like I'm out, I don't want to hear, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like those are two things that I'm not remotely interested in. And like, if you take the time to post that stuff on social media, that shows your interest. I'm just not interested in it. You know what I mean? Definitely. So let's, uh, let's go into uh, your thoughts on social media and the celebrity the the celebritization i guess of normal people right oh everyone's becoming a celebrity right and now i saw a post that you did recently about people with blue checks and everybody's looking for the blue check so instead of trying to like grow their bank account right (laughs) grow their business doing something that's uh verifiable right they're just trying to get verified they're trying to meet some guy in a back back alley to get a get a blue check so what what are your thoughts on like this new obsession with like internet celebrity well, first, you know, it's cool. Like we look at all these Mykonos people going to Mykonos and, and, 
hanging out all over the world and living this laptop laptop lifestyle and driving Lamborghinis and stuff. We're like, dude, I want that. And then you're like, here, here's the thing though. Like social media, it like, it enhances that ability for us to go, well, dude, I'm just like him. I can probably do that too. And yeah. some people get all mad, you know, Oh, it was given to them and they hate and stuff like that. But you know, rented. yeah. And, and but if it's, if it's real, you know what I'm saying? Like if it's real, and and the person's successful like i got a friend josh note and uh his, his neural name's josh eliziche right and he owns a company that that basically drops ships teeth whitening stuff and uh great dude right v- doesn't speak much is like very quiet keeps to himself you 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 would know that he's an eccentric person but you you wouldn't guess that he he has who he is right and you know he buys all these cars and does all this stuff on social media but I look at him as like, hey, this guy's doing, you know, 10 figures of e-com sales. So he's like, you know, already done 10 figures and buys the Ferrari, you know? And so he's showing people what's up. I see a lot of people out there trying to skip the, 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 the big step, which is to do business. <laughs> you know I mean, like I, I was explaining this just this morning to my sales group. So uh, when people tend to hate on me, they try to, to skip the story. And I don't get a whole lot of haters, but they try to skip the story. Like in the last couple of months, we had people go, this dude sold car washes and then became a coach. And uh, which it couldn't be further from the truth, but like I did sell car washers and I am a coach, but the two are not correlated. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a 20 year between. gap. Yeah. There's a 20 year gap between. in business. And, and the truth is I sold over $10 million of car washes. And after that went on to do over $135 million in real estate and, and then have gotten in here and done over $10 million in internet marketing stuff, just passwords and logins, not e-commerce already, right? And I've only been in this game for a short period of time. But, I, but before I coached my first person, I was already well into nine figures in production. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people that, that look, and, and I only taught real estate. That was all I knew. I didn't try to teach drop shipping and how to write books and how to get blue checks and all this stuff. Cause I had no freaking clue. I just knew that I did a whole bunch of real estate and here is how I did it. Now I teach a bunch of business owners because I've grown 10 very successful businesses. And, but I didn't start teaching the first business owner until I already had a seven figure business myself. You know what I mean? That I personally, not, not that, not the real estate world that I personally had earned seven figures from right in, in a year. Right. And so anyway, long story short, like I, I work it on experience and the best people out there have experience too. It's a lot of people trying to take shortcuts, man. And I can tell you ways, for example, I don't know if you guys got ways in Puerto Rico, but we have it here. And ways always tries to take you on the shortcut around traffic. It's an app and it tells you where traffic's at and always take you on the shortcut. The problem is ways doesn't have an understanding of what's a good neighborhood and what's a bad neighborhood. So, <laughs> Sometimes when you're in a city like Dallas or LA and you type in ways and it takes you around traffic, you're lucky to make it out of the motherfucking neighborhood that it t- took you through, right? <laughs> Especially when you're leaving the bar and shit because you know all that shit's downtown and then ways have you going some crazy way where you get shot at three times and stuff like that. That's typically how shortcuts in business work too, right? Like you take a shortcut, you know, that shortcut might be through the wrong damn neighborhood. You know what I mean? You may not come back from that shortcut. You, you know what? Halfway through that shortcut, you disappear. We got to go nail up missing and, and wanted signs all over the damn telephone post through there. And uh, that's the way it always happens. But man, there's a lot of people that want to, they want all of that 
recognition and all of that fame without having actually really done anything in the marketplace to deserve it. And there's a lot of fake people out there with blue checks. There is, you know, <clears throat> don't even let that blue check fool you. Lots of them. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I think there's a big difference between uh, being a quote unquote influencer and then being influential. And, you know, I, did a post i did like a rant and i was talking about like how many of your followers can you stay in their house like if they if you called your followers and you're like hey i need a place to crash or hey i need to uh, i need a loan how many of your followers are you gonna uh move when you say so and uh one of the examples that i give too is the governor of new york state he is verified at the time, uh, he's, he's grown his following a little bit more since then, but at the time, he only had 500 followers. 500 followers, he's verified. But the, the thing is, is he more or less influential than Ty Lopez or, or whoever, uh, Jet Set Fly or whoever the hell you want to name? No, the, the governor of New York that's been the governor of New York for fucking 20, 30 years, the, you know, really influential type of dude, he's going to make a phone call and things are going to happen. Things are going to change in the world. Um, so I think a lot of people let influence, uh, being influential and influence, they mix the two. Some of the most influential people I know, they don't even have social media. You know, a friend of mine, he's a billionaire. He just moved to Puerto Rico to save some money on taxes and he doesn't, he doesn't use anything, no Facebook, no Instagram, nothing. Um, and he's extremely influential. He does, he does deals with Morgan Stanley, fucking these hundred million dollar and, and billion dollar deals. So I, I think a lot of times they let, um, you know, especially for young people, right? I feel like me and you, we're, we're older, a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser, right? Um, but these young kids, they're idolizing these people on social media and they get, they get caught up in the hype, right? Well, let me, let me tell you the truth. Uh, I didn't buy an exotic car until I was 38 years old. And, uh, and even then, I ain't gonna lie, I put the shit on credit, right? Like at it, it 20, they're not gonna give you a Lamborghini on credit. You, do, you don't have a strong enough file to be able to do that. You haven't bought houses, you haven't, you haven't got long history of paying your credit cards, you're just not gonna do it. So think about this, like let's say at 25, you go to buy a Lamborghini and you gotta put 100 to $200,000 down. That is the equivalent of about $8 million that car costs you 20 years in the future. Right. And at 25, you hadn't had that setback at 25. I told you guys, I thought I was on top of the world. You know what I mean? I had this business. We're booming. We got 30 houses, all this shit. Bam. Force of average punched me right in the face. You know, dude, I couldn't imagine if I had an asset that depreciated, that's not even worth what I'm making payments on it. You know what I'm saying? Plus the amount of money that I can't invest that capital to grow in the future, man. You know what? I bought this, this Rolex a year ago is the first first nice like watch I ever bought that costs over 500 bucks in my life. Right. And I bought this Rolex a year ago with dollars that I probably earned when I was 25. You know what I mean? That have been invested and reinvested in my account, gotten big in stocks and all this other shit, man. And you know, that like you listen to older guys like Grant Cardone that are investors, you know, he's like, he's just now buying Rolls Royce. He's 60. And he's just now buying Rolls Royce and shit in like the last five or six years. And up until then, he just leased cars because like he understands like make your money work for you. Money doesn't do me any good sitting on my wrist, right? So I had to have already had something be able to buy me this luxury. Money doesn't do me any good sitting in my driveway. So I've had to have something to be able to afford me that luxury. And for me, just on the cool, I buy these cars from someone who fucked up 
and get them cheap and drive them for about a year and don't hardly put any miles on them because I work pretty close to my office. And then I sell it for about what I paid for it a year later. And I drive my damn Lamborghini cheaper and you can drive a Honda Accord, you know? <laughs> okay. I'm making my money work for me. You know, it costs yeah. me a little bit of money up front in the bigger payments, but I get it back at the end when I sell it, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, people, they make the wrong investment. Like I was saying earlier in the show, you know, they're trying to emulate the, the 20, 30 years of results instead of emulating like what it took to get you there. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit more about that, about like investing their money. If you're, let's say you're a young entrepreneur, you make your first hundred K uh, or even let's say your first 10 K, where do you think people should be putting their money? Here's what, it's a great question. Okay. First of all, I am not a registered financial advisor and uh, anything I say is probably stupid and you shouldn't listen to it. You know what I mean? If you listen to me and you take my advice that when it comes to finances, that's your own risk. And so uh, that out of the way, when I started getting to where I was making $10,000 a month, I, uh, and this was when I was 24 years old, I made my first six figure year when I was 24 years old. Uh, I started taking $500 a week, which to me at the time seemed like a lot of money, right? But $500 a week and buying stocks. Now I didn't go like buy penny stocks and try to like figure out like what the latest greatest, like I'm parking money Warren Buffett style, you know? So $500, I buy some Ford stock. I like Ford trucks. I'm going to buy some Ford stock, right? Like $500 the next week, I might buy more Ford stock if it's cheap or viable, or I might buy some Google stock, right? Uh, now 500 bucks won't buy you Google stuff, but back then it would, you know? Uh, and so I've done that for damn near 15 years now. My E-Trade account is huge, right? I just looked, I'm at a 24% return on investment just on my stocks for this year, right? And I've got a, a big fucking portfolio because I've been doing this for a long time, just putting a little bit of money in. At one point, <clears throat> I stopped doing this in October of last year, but at one point I was putting... Uh, $5,000 a week into the market, just buying shit, not selling, not trading, just buying shit. And guess what? In 2008 or so, I bought, maybe it's 2006, I, I, I bought GM and AIG when the market went like flat and they went bankrupt uh, for like pennies on the dollar, like, like seriously pennies. Like when I say pennies on dollar, I mean, I bought the stock for like 32 fucking cents a share, right? The shit pumped back up to like $40 just five years later. You know, I was able to exit that, pull my cash out, then rebuy the damn stock at a cheaper price a few days later. And then bam, now all of a sudden I got a bunch of cash and, and assets that I pulled out of things. So like just being able to do that over the years, man, has allowed me to, when I go get a loan somewhere and I put down my portfolio, they're like, oh shit, this guy owns a lot of assets, right? And then I show them the houses that I own. That's the next thing. You guys should be putting $500 a week into an E-Trade account, it's free, just open it up, just pick blue chip stocks. You don't need a financial advisor. You know Facebook ain't going nowhere because Instagram, right? You know that Spotify ain't going anywhere. Everybody listens to it. You know that Google ain't going nowhere. Everybody uses it, just shit like that. You know Exxon ain't going nowhere. We all need gas. Like Amazon ain't going nowhere. Jeff Bezos just lost $35 billion. He's still the richest motherfucker on the planet, right? Like just use practical, make sense, common knowledge to buy shit. You don't, and then just sit on it, right? Even if it goes up and down, you ain't got to trade. You ain't got to panic. Just sit on it. I bought Carvana like a year ago and it dipped in half of where I bought it from. Like immediately. And I was like, son of a bitch, right? It was two years ago I bought it, I think, uh, on the IPO. Dude, I just looked today. It's up 254% since I bought it. What if I just sold it when it dipped in half, right? Mm -hmm. That's how your financial advisors and shit gets you. The other thing is 
like let's say you're making a hundred grand, you got a hundred grand cash, right? Go buy you a rental property, $65,000, If you live in California, you might be like, where am I gonna buy that at, bro? In Ohio, right? Nobody says you have to do it in the state or the neighborhood that you live in, right? It's 2019, we got phones and the internet, shit. Somebody can watch that house for you, you know? But you go drop fifty-five dollars to $75,000 on a house, guess what you got every year? Depreciation on your taxes. And if you're making real money, you know what that means and you know how valuable it is because you can depreciate the shit out of that house on your taxes, which offsets the amount of taxes that you own, right? Even if you break even every month on your cash flow on rent, you pay $1,000 in, in the mortgage on it or it costs you $1,000 in taxes on it, you can depreciate so much off of that freaking house that it, it don't matter anyway. And so knowing the game and just buying long-term assets like that, you don't want to fuck with houses, go buy land. Where's land? All over Texas and Oklahoma. They ain't making no more of it. It's all over the South. And guess what? Eventually they're going to be building something on that shit. So there's like good ways to, to spend your money. Like Lamborghini ain't it. Let that land deal that you do 20 years later buy that Lamborghini so that you don't have to pay taxes on it, right? Like Grant Cardone going back to him. He just bought that Gulfstream jet because he made so much money he needed a $55 million tax write-off. Let that be your fucking problem instead of how do I get my first 55 million so I can blow it all on a jet? Well, and that's how you get the jet, right? That's right. That's right. That. Apparently, you get it by raising a half a billion dollars in uh, real estate fund money. You know, that's a pretty fucking <laughs> impressive feat. You know, I believe that you deserve a jet, sir. <laughs> so um, let's talk about now what you're doing now. Let's fast forward a little bit. Um, so you said now you do business consulting and it's more more general, more broad. So, so if someone wants to work with you now, what are some of the things that you can help people with? So we, uh, we, I run a program called Apex and uh, it's to get people to the top of their game. And I believe folks operate on four different levels. They are a salesperson uh, inside of an organization and maybe they're not a salesperson, maybe they're a manager or something like that, but they work for somebody else, right? Uh, they might write their own check. They're an entrepreneur, but they, they work for somebody else. The second is the self-employed person. That's somebody without any employees or at least maybe one employee, maybe an assistant. And, um, and then there's the third level that's a CEO, an executive, someone that owns a company and a real business, right? And then there's the fourth level, which are uh, investors who hire CEOs to run the companies they invest in. And so we meet people depending on the level that they're on. So I have a few coaches that work within my organization. We have a great network, tons of training. And the things that we get people through is if you're in that sales or that management position, we, within 12 months of working for us, our program is designed to get you to become self-employed, to leave that corporate job. Uh, we have a gentleman that is 25 years old. He worked in payroll for Heartland. Uh, he quit his job on Christmas, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to have his first six-figure month before the end of this year, right? Ooh. He Literally, and the results not typical, but we do pretty good for people like that, right? He's not too far out of the norm. Um, then the folks that are self-employed, our, our goal is to, within 12 months, have them at least four employees working for them in a business machine that's running that doesn't require them to actually have to do stuff every day. Doesn't mean they don't have a job anymore and they can just go vacation in Mykonos or no shit like that. But it means that if you need to go travel or if you need to go do something else for emergency comes up, you don't lose money that day. Um, and then obviously 
from there, we have executives that we work with to become full-time investors, right? Which is somewhere between where I'm at. I'm a CEO of a few companies, but I also invest in some passive income streams. And, uh, and so, you know, me and a few other guys are making the stream from being CEOs to investors, but I probably got about another five years before I, I let go of the CEO handle. I really like that. You know what I mean? There's nothing that says that one level's not anymore and the other. You can't make the money as a level one that you can at level three and level four. You can make pretty close to it at level two, but really it's got to be scalable. So what we do is we help people achieve that. But what happens is a byproduct of that is all the mental stuff that I teach, man. Shit gets better at home. Uh, sometimes not overnight, uh, but shit gets better at home. Shit gets better in your mind. You become grateful for the things that you have while still in pursuit for what's next and all that. So I'm not like a sales trainer or a guy that's going to come in and teach you funnels and ads. I mean, we have that stuff, but uh, really the key is for me to have that vision with you and say, here's, here's the key things that you need to do over the next 12 months to be able to build this. Man, I've been doing this for 10 years and uh, it's rare for someone as popular and, and, is, and has had as many clients as I am not to be all over the ripoff report and everything else, dude. And there ain't zero, there is zero negative press on me, man, because I haven't dropped the fucking ball at all in 10 years. Mm. Ever. You know how easy it is for somebody to get mad and leave me a one-star review on one of my fan pages? You know how fucking easy that is? Ain't ever happened. In t- you can't delete that shit. Once it's there, it's there. It ain't happened in 10 years, man, because I fucking deliver. You know, that's it. It's that simple. And so I, I want to dig deeper into some of the, some of the things that you teach, but before we go there, since you're bringing it up, how do you do that? How do you deal with like difficult clients, clients that are impossible or, you know, very demanding clients, maybe that are pushing things out of scope of work. What do you do? Do you give them refunds or how do you keep clients happy? Well, you know, these days we vet people really hard before we let them in because we want people to stick with us. Like our, our goal is like, once you come in, you can't leave, right? Like you can't come in on level one and us get you to level two and you go, thanks guys, I'm out of here. Like, bitch, there's still two more levels to go through. Like you're not even halfway through the, the evolution process yet, right? And so, uh, but back in the day, you know, when you're just starting your business, you try to take on people and try to make people happy. Like you said, it goes outside the scope of work and all that shit. And, uh, Man, I've, I've given a lot of refunds and uh, had to deal with a lot of pushback and make things right and shit. And I'm a, I'm a nice guy. So, you know, oftentimes it hasn't, we haven't really given, I mean, I could probably count a dozen times that we've had to give a refund in 10 years, uh, a big refund, like little, they mad at a book or some shit. Who gives a fuck about your little 10 bucks, but like a thousand dollar plus refund for somebody. Uh, two of those 12 times somebody stole from us, right? They charged it back after they got all the benefits and everything else just because they were assholes. And uh, so I haven't had to deal with it a lot, but I did happen to be a people pleaser for, for the first few years that I was in this to try to keep them and build that. And dude, one time I had to tell a guy no and he lost his goddamn mind. And dude, he went and told a bunch of lies about me to other clients and shit before I could even defend myself, man. And it, it was a nightmare, but it was a good learning lesson. You know, it was a really good learning lesson that I should have never given that guy so much leeway in the first place. And so now we vet people. It's like, if you don't already have a successful, uh, you can't just, if you're like, it's not a money thing. Each level costs more money because there's more into it, but you can't offer 50 grand when you deserve to come in at the $2,500 level. We're not going to take your 50 grand. We'd be like, dude, as much as you think you're a $50,000 member over here, you're on level one, right? We, we got to make sure that you get through that. So now we have a, a process that basically, you know, 
screens people really hard and all that stuff. But in the beginning, yeah, dude, I had a lot of lessons that come for it. Hence why we have a process to screen people now. And when we take people in, we have them take a personality test, a disc test, an IQ test, and a learning test, right? So then I get the results. And at that point, I have a choice whether we want to take them on or not. So we collect their money, make them take the test. And uh, if, they, if the results show up the way that we know that they're not going to be able to take our instruction, their contemplators and shit like that, we just kick them back their money and, or kick them down a program, right? So mm, Interesting. So as much as it is about you over-delivering and, and you having a high work ethic, high quality of your product, it's also about screening the clients. Um, before they come in and saying no, like not being scared to be like, yeah, no, this isn't a good fit, right? Man, the, the dollar that you pass, not, not miss out on, but the dollar that you pass up today becomes $2 tomorrow, man. Because like the guy that, that, that you felt inside that you shouldn't have taken on as a client, he, like you, you have that intuition. You were right before you knew you were right. You know what I mean? And then what's going to happen is two or three months from now, you're doing three times for him what it takes to do five more clients. And you're missing out on five more clients money because you're over trying to keep that person happy. It's easier for me. And it gets that situation, just peel their dollars off and go, dude, I'm sorry. I made a promise I can't keep, you know, and uh, I want to go ahead and give you your money. But I had to do that a few days ago. Uh, a, a client we worked with like was doing some unethical stuff that I found out about. And I wasn't mad at the guy I just refunded his money and said, Hey man, you know what, dude, I'm, I, my course is too full right now and I can't keep up with everything. And, and, and I appreciate it, you know, uh, but here's your money back. Right. And he can't bitch. Cause he got a little bit of my time for free and I gave him, I didn't say, Oh, and I prorated it. Cause I took this, like kicked him his money back. It's like, Hey man, you know, there you go. And he knew what it was. He knew why I gave him his money back. So there's no reason for him to be mad or say I'm a scammer or anything. It's like, it's not like I'm like, Hey man, it's really unethical shit you're doing. I'm going to do unethical shit to you and take your money. Right. That's how you wind up on the ripoff report. You know, for me, I always just been straight up with everybody. You're a fit. You're not a fit. Here's your money back. You can't get your money back, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely good advice. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of people, they get stuck in that, you know, compromising, taking, taking deals that are too small. Uh, I have one of my coaching clients yesterday and he was just like, how do I ask for more money? And it's just like, don't be scared to say no, you know, don't be scared to say no to the small people. And uh, he had one of his clients actually say, why is this so cheap? They bought from him, right? They didn't say it was too cheap when they bought, they bought from him, they got the results. And then when they were getting the results, they were like, wow, why was this so cheap? I'm confused. Um, so I, I think a lot of times we undervalue ourselves, especially new entrepreneurs, right? Um, we undervalue ourselves cause you know, maybe you're stuck in that nine to five, uh, mindset and you're like, Oh, well, this is only an hour of my time. How can an hour of my time be worth, uh, you know, this multiple of whatever the contract is, but it's not the hour that you're putting into it. It's the 20 hours of experience or 20 years of experience that it took you to be able to deliver that much value. That's right. It's the experience. You know, there's an old saying where guy pulls the dentist, pulls the guy's tooth out in like 30 seconds and asks him for 600 bucks. And the guy's like uh, 600 bucks. That took you like 30 seconds. And he goes, well, I can take longer if you like, but it's still going to be 600 bucks. You know? <laughs> well, and, and a lot of times, uh, you know, especially me, I'd rather pay for it to be faster. Right? Why would I want pay for it to be slower? Right? If you can get me the results and get them to me quick, that's almost more valuable. Right? I don't want you to take months on my project if it can be done in a few days. Yeah, um, if you can show me a better direct path, I'm all about it. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, entrepreneurs, like you said that you work with some people that, you know, they're in the nine to five and they're trying to get away. What tips do you have from people that are trying to break away from a long time career? Get, hey, first of all, like work like you own that motherfucker. And I don't mean like put your feet on the desk. I mean, like, you know, work like you own it. Like you're trying to work your way into sweat equity and get used to that. Cause that's, what's going to take when you're self-employed. The second thing is put all your money back, right? For those of you that are making 10, 20 grand a month at a, a, a commission job or some shit like that, man, stop going to strip clubs and, and doing all that dumb shit, man. Start putting your money back, get your bread, right? Cause look like, you know, whether you want to admit or not, president's going to get reelected for four more years. It's going to happen. So we're going to, we're going to have at least a stable economy for four more years. God knows what's going to happen after that. It's going to be completely unpredictable. We're due for a correction. It happens every time a Republican's in office for eight years and a Democrat steps in after you can go look at the trends over and over and over again. We just experienced it with Obama. And so the, and it's not a political statement. I'm just giving you historical facts here. And so you need to get your fucking bread up now before the next four, like if, first of all, we are honestly in the best economy I've seen in my lifetime. And so if you're not making money right now, what the fuck are you going to do in four or five years when shit gets tough? Right? Like, I just want you guys to think about that. So if you're the person that's working for somebody and you think it's hard to save money and break away now, it's going to be even harder five years from now. So you got to knuckle up and get the information and do the things that needs to be done. Like if you're a salesperson, the key is not going and learning more sales training, right? The key is learning how to generate leads and build a team right? The key is to learn at what percentage of your income to put back so that when you get on hard times, you can still grow this bitch. So that's, that's, that's the real key, right? It's like managing your money responsibly. And then, you know, to where you, cause when you go start a business, you need capital, you know what I mean? So managing your money responsibly to where you got capital and then also getting used to working your ass off. Cause that's, what's going to take once you start growing and scaling your own business, as you know, how do you build a team? What are, what are some ways you know, I feel like, I mean, similar to bringing on clients, right? You bring on the wrong client, it can kind of fuck your whole organization up. Bring on the wrong team member, it'll fuck your whole organization up. How do you screen people and how do you motivate them when, you know, I feel like today everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, right? So how do you motivate people to be part of a team? So for me, man, I just let my team do their job. But in the beginning, you know, and now I, I motivate the executives. There's three people that are in executive position at, at Break Free Academy. And it's my job to, to make sure that I'm on top of them and their job to run everything downhill, right? And, uh, you know, you build a team one person at a time. You base it around the culture that you want. But I'm not good at hiring people. So I let my team hire people. And before I hired my team, I hired somebody else like an outsource company to to find those folks for me but there's a good book called the five dysfunctions of a team and uh i, I learned about that book from andy frisella uh dude's a great book great 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 book and uh there's another book called traction and uh, you can get both of them on amazon five dysfunctions of a team i don't know who wrote it and traction is the other one and those two books will tell you how to manage a team and how to set up a team they're really two really good informative books Definitely, definitely leave some links for those below. Um, I know you have had a lot of success now with your podcast. What are some things that you feel like you've learned from interviewing? Is it like hundreds, maybe thousands of entrepreneurs on your um, show? Actually, I don't do interviews, right? It's not an interview show. I thought it wasn't. Yeah, so like uh, a lot of folks do the interview shows, which, you know, it's cool because it's people having conversations and stuff like that. 
my podcast is six minutes long and we do it every day of the week. So there's like 390 episodes of it Ooh. and uh, rewire and it gets about a hundred to, you know, it gets over a hundred thousand downloads a month. We've uh, we're close to 2 million downloads uh, all time. Like it's it, it, but it's like six minutes. The idea behind the podcast is like first thing in the morning before you go to the gym, before you go to work, before you you're like serving your kids breakfast, anything, just pop my podcast in your ears and let me talk to you for six minutes. Let me get your mind right first thing in the morning. Let me rewire how you think about the day and everything else. Dude, we have people religiously listening daily, right? Like they wake up and live and die by the podcast. So, um, you know, I just created something that was different. Most people are 30 minutes to an hour, an interview setting. And I said, man, like, you know, what, what would be a disruption that would be or a disruptor that would be something that, that's different? And uh, me and my team got together and they were like, dude, why don't you just do like little quick five minute rants? And I'm like, man, fucking everybody does rants. Why don't I give a little five minute servants, you know, and, and just like change people's minds five minutes at a time. And uh, dude, it's worked really well, man. It's just, it's something different. And you look at my podcast and you're like six minutes. I got that. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yep. Yep. And, I'll check. And if it's brand new, you're like, like if someone sends it to you, you're like, Oh, four minutes and 35 seconds. I'm going to see what this shit's about. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I'd be bringing that heat for four minutes, you know? <laughs> and, and what do you think has been your secret to the success? Has it been the, the different format or do you have any other tricks? Uh, Dude, I just work, man. I got 3000 YouTube videos, 2,500 blog posts, another probably 5,000 videos on Facebook I make at least three posts a day for 10 years now. I've been in Forbes a hundred times. I've done a thousand podcasts. Fuck dude, the list goes on and on. 13 digital products, 10 books. Like dude, it's just the work that's got me where I'm at, man. You can't ignore me at this point. I got shit everywhere. Mm, I love that. If you were to go broke and you were 18 years old, you had no money, no resources, and you had like, you know, 30 seconds to give yourself some advice to the younger version of yourself. What would you tell yourself? Man, if I was broke and I was trying to make money, I would just tell myself that like go sell funnels. I think that's the easiest way to make money right now. You know, it's like you can go and like you can use our software phone sites and make a, a, a funnel in like five minutes and sell that bitch for five, 600 bucks. So it's just quick money, you know, real quick, like flipping websites. What's, what's your, what's that product? Phone sites? Phone sites. So you can, you can literally create a, a website from your mobile device. Like it doesn't matter if you have an Android, whatever. It's not an app or anything, man. You just click the, you just click your uh, uh, internet browser and log into the software and you can build a website, sales funnel, sales pages, shopping carts, whatever the hell that you need. Mm. And uh, all in about five, 10 minutes, you don't need tech skills. You don't need to go to school. You don't need an instruction manual. You don't even need to watch a video. It's that simple. Oh, wow. Is this a competitor to ClickFunnels? Is that accurate? No, uh, I like Russell. He's, he's an acquaintance and I've been to his house a few times and uh, we use ClickFunnels too for our internet marketing stuff. ClickFunnels is like, if you're an internet marketer and you need upsells, downsells, shopping, like all this stuff, like it's going to be more adapt for it. This is for the guy that is a small business owner that doesn't have any tech skills and doesn't want to go hire some funnel hacker to, you know, 10 grand to build a funnel. 
that they just need to kick out an offer for their restaurant, for their real estate company, for their insurance brokerage or something like that. Just a way to post on social media that's like, hey, two for Tuesday or hey, you know, we have this house for sale and be able to collect a little data from the internet. And then a lot of our people run ads to them and stuff like that. But I don't believe that, that we're a competitor for ClickFunnels because it's for internet marketers. We're for everybody else, you know? Got it. Makes sense. Very cool. Um, My competitor okay. would be more like Wix or Squarespace. Like a Wix. Got it. Very cool. Um, so I have one last question, and that is, what does disrupt mean to you? The word disrupt does not translate into Spanish. In Spanish, it means interrupt, and, you know, the entrepreneur startup culture kind of has a different connotation. So what does disrupt mean to you? Well, you know, that I am a disruptor, uh, and I'll prove it is uh i've been like tattooed up cussing wearing hoodies and black t-shirts since 2008 online uh you'll notice all the other sales trainers were wearing suits and everything else and and dude now they even got the same damn haircut i got you know i'm still the same looking <laughs> like me man because i disrupted them i showed them that you could still be comfortable you don't have to talk about going to church and all this other stuff and you can still be a sales leader right um you know, in the uh, internet marketing world, I did things a lot different, man. I, I, I didn't come out and build my business on a bunch of lies and I disrupted the way people looked at things because I was like brutally honest. So to me, disrupt means go in to like, if I was going to disrupt a marketplace, it would mean to go in there and change their perspective on how they see things, right? Like oftentimes we have these blinders on, man, and we see things in this one way that's been fed to us our entire lives. And when you get this disruption, all of a sudden it changes that perspective, man. It can open up a whole new, whole new eyes. A lot of people look at disruption as like, as, as negative. It's like, oh man, I was in the middle of doing something. You, you interrupted me or whatever the case may be. But I look at disrupted as something that like, it just, it comes in and it changes the perspective of a marketplace because you showed them something that wasn't there before, you know? Definitely. I love that brother. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you on social media, they want to learn about what you're doing. Where's the best places to, to do that? Yeah. Uh, Instagram I'm at hardcore closer. You know, I answer all DMS and stuff. So shoot me a DM over there. All right. Awesome. brother. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Do we had a good time? You know, I, I feel like your listeners to get a little bit of value from this. Make sure for those of you listening, you know, make sure you give us five stars, man. Give us a little rating over here. Hook us up, man. We put a little blood, sweat and tears into the episode today. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to meeting some of you new guys. Hit me up on Instagram. Absolutely, yeah. And, and make sure everybody comes down to the next Disrupt event uh, in collaboration with Village Empire down in Puerto Rico. Uh, right. And, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to be uh, creating some interesting things in 2020. So look out.